Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots. Hello to all my people, and if you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Share Shots. I am your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and today we welcome a very special guest, someone who has done it all in the wrestling business. He has had his hand in so many classic moments. All I have to do is say his name, and his name is Vince Russo. Vince, thanks for coming on and chatting about some wrestling. How are you, sir? All right. How are you, my friend, Will? So far, so good. Living my best life. Nice. Now, is that a uh, is that a volunteer hat that you're wearing? I am, sir. Born and bred in the state of Tennessee. I've spent okay, some so time. Yeah. Go ahead. So now I'm looking around, and I'm seeing a, a volunteer hat. I'm seeing a, a Jim Cornette action figure. Is, is this an ambush? Am this I going to be ambushed, Will? No, absolutely not. Okay. Strictly right. professional. Okay, my <laughs> Okay. That you know what though? I've never seen the uh coordinate action figure. That that's that's pretty cool. I like the getup. I'm a I'm I, I jokingly call myself a lot of times an old head. And by that I mean I just love the old days of wrestling. I grew up in the oh, early yeah. 90s, the uh yeah. the late days of the NWA, early WCW days. Like those are where I cut my teeth as both yeah. a wrestling fan and somebody who like looking at the business as a whole. Yeah. Um, so Cornette was there very, very young, as were you. And we're gonna touch base on a couple of those things. Um, so let's start way back in your days though at WGBB in New York, yes. vicious Vince world of wrestling when covering wrestling in the early 90s did you ever think you would end up doing everything you did to affect the business in the way you have oh god no man Ab absolutely not i i could tell you will the, the reality of it is first of all man i had at the time i had two video stores on long island when video stores were brand new i swear will i'm being honest with you if it were up to me I'd still be running those video stores today. That's how much I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But what happened was, you know, Blockbuster moved in uh, and the writing was on the wall. So I needed a job. I, I mean, it, it, it really is that simple. You know, my wife and I, we had a young son at the time. Um, you know, I needed a job. And, um, uh, Vicious Vincent's world of wrestling was kind of me trying to get my foot in the door of the wrestling business. Did I have any, any um, ambitions of where it would go? Absolutely not, bro. Like I, I could be honest with you, man. When I, when I took the job as the editor of the magazine, I would have been fine if that would have been my job my whole time there. Cause you know, I am a journalist. I do love writing uh, that, that right there, that job right there would have been enough. So, uh, moving ahead in your career, just a little bit, you were the head writer in WWE during the attitude era, one of the most iconic eras in professional wrestling. When you were in creative meetings leading up to the formation of DX, what would the, what were those like and how involved were you Hunter, Sean and Vince in that whole process? I'll tell you a guy that was involved a lot, bro, was Shane McMahon. Because, you know, he was he was young, you know, he, he was around their age. And I remember, man, 
Shane actually had me sit in his car in the WWE garage to listen to some music uh, that he wanted. And, bro, I say this all the time um, because I like to give credit where credit is due. Bro, you know, when 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 we were doing pay-per-views, we had to approve the posters and the marketing months ahead of time. And, bro, uh, I was in the publishing department, and I always stayed on the publishing department, even when I started writing TV. Creative Services was right next to me. They came up with the pay-per-view Degeneration X. They came up with that name before we named the group. So I saw that name, and then we were putting, you know, Hunter and Sean and China together, and I'm like, that is a perfect, perfect name. But Creative Services actually came up with that for a pay-per-view. I, I took it from them. I gave them credit. And, uh, you know, Sean Hunter, very, very, very involved in those early stages of everything we did. You know, like the three of us, you know, really work together, like where I would come up with the creative, I would give it to them, and then we would have a conversation to make it the absolute best that it could be. So around that same time, there's a historic moment in wrestling with the curtain call. Uh, what are your opinions on what happened around that time with Nation Hall getting ready to, to head over to the competitor? Michaels was wearing the belt at the time, and then Triple H was still kind of that young and comer, a young up and comer at that point. What were your opinions on how both the wrestling business handled it and how the media handled the curtain. Bro, call. I'll never forget it because um, there we had a creative meeting the very next day, and and back then it was Cornette, Pritchard, and I was like the third wheel, and that was the time when I was keeping my mouth shut and just listening. But bro, Pritchard and Cornette, especially Cornette, were freaking irate. Uh, they wanted everybody fired on the spot. You know, of course, you, you, you listen, if you know Cornette, I don't need to cut the promo of how they kill the business. They just kill the bit. You, 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 you can imagine Cornette. These guys were irate. And I'll never forget, bro. Like you said, um, Kevin and Scott are gone. Sean's a champion, bro. I had to pull Hunter to the side of TV and say, bro, they're going to make your life miserable now. You got to understand you're going to be the whipping boy, bro. And, you know, I'm telling you, you're just going to have to, you know, keep your head up high and you're going to have to get through this time because they're going to make your life miserable. That That's how the wrestling business works, bro. And um, I, I became super close with Hunter during that time because it was kind of like him against the office. And he, he didn't deserve that, bro, because, you know, the hunter I knew and the hunter I worked with, bro, was a sweetheart of a guy. I would have I, I would have done anything for this guy. He didn't deserve that, uh, you know, but he was the only one left. So he was going to be punished for it. So while we're, while we're on the topic of Triple H and he's in conversation, he recently uh, left the boots in the middle of the ring. Um, what do you think about the handling of the NXT black and gold brand to the transition of NXT 2.0 when they removed the booking rights from Hunter and they went back to, Bro, to Vince? I, I, I'll tell you something stinks. And listen, I'll let you in on a little something, Will, because I, bro, I, the thing that amazes me about wrestling and the dirt sheets is they never really talk about the stuff that's important, okay? 
Bro, there's been a lot of pictures of late with Stephanie McMahon. The latest one was on Mother's Day. She's not wearing a wedding ring, bro. She's not wearing a wedding ring. So I smell, I smell a rat because I saw Triple H's um, interview with uh, Stephen A. Smith. And I don't doubt for a second, you know, the heart problems, you know, all of that. I don't doubt that he was very emotional. I believe him. I don't question any of that. But here's what I do question. So you mean to tell me your son-in-law is in the hospital, the, 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 uh, the uh, father of your grandchildren, and he's on his deathbed, and this is as serious as serious can be, and while that's happening, you're taking what he created for years, and you are completely demolishing that and building. Wait a minute. Now, I, listen, bro. I know Vince McMahon is cold-hearted. I know business is business. I understand all that. But that's a little much. If, if the situation, bro, was, was that grave and that serious, you're going to do this? <laughs> bro, unless you're Satan himself. However, if there was uh, problems in paradise, if there was problems in the marriage, if something did happen, now that is a way to shove it straight up Hunter's backside. So there, there are a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of kabuki-ish stuff. Nobody talk, that, that's the stuff I want to talk about. That's the stuff that's interesting to me. The guy's near death, and you're, you're, you're totally demolishing the company. That, that don't make sense, bro. I'm begging people to talk about that. But, um, yeah, bro, I, uh, th there's just too many unanswered questions when it comes to that as far as I'm concerned. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about the, the current product, but there's some, some hot topics going on right now with Sasha and Naomi. We've seen them. They went in Monday night. They dropped the belts, looked at Johnny Ace, said they were going to take their ball and go home. Having sat in Johnny Ace's chair, though, how do you think you would have handled the Sasha and Naomi uh, it, it, it would have never got to that point, bro, it it, because I'll tell you why, bro. Uh, Will, when we were structured, bro, we were structured. Every day there was something we had to get done. Bro, be Friday at the latest. Talent would have the show. The show would be emailed to talent, bro. So if there was going to be a problem, an issue, a red flag, we would know before we ever got on the airplane. We would know. So I sent a show to Rock. I sent a show to Austin, Taker, everybody. You want they want to discuss something on the show. They're calling me on Friday. Bro, these guys, it's a respect thing, man. You can't expect these these guys walk in the building and you're going to give them the creative 2 hours before. We didn't work that way, bro. That that's what makes me laugh. You know, Vince McMahon is feeding Corey Graves about how unprofessional the girls were. It is professional, bro, to give an independent contractor their job hours before they do it. No, that's unprofessional, bro. So the fact of the matter is it would have never happened. 
They would have had the show in advance. If they had any issues with it, we would have had it all settled before we even got to the building, bro. So none of that stuff would have ever happened, man. So I'm going to go off my, my script. I'm closing my notes for a second, because this brings up a good question that I want to ask you about as somebody who's been in the industry and the business, as long as you were for me as both a fan and somebody who watches wrestling professionally, meaning covering it from my job, doing this. Do you think there's a lack of long-term storytelling in professional wrestling right now? Oh, absolutely. Bro. They, they don't care. They don't care, bro. Listen, that show I don't watch SmackDown. I only watch wrestling if, if you pay me to watch it. I get paid to watch Raw. Bro, that show is a house show. That's all it is. It's been a house show for months. So what they're doing, bro, is they're fulfilling their obligation to the USA Network. We've, we've got to deliver you three hours of content every mon Monday. These guys, bro... People don't understand. Oh, Vince, how can how can how can you rip the creative when the WWE is making more money than ever? It's two different freaking things, bro. I don't knock their business. I don't knock their business model. They, uh, you know, Nick Khan is brilliant. Nick Khan makes great deals for that company. But bro, let's face it: the deals are being made on the brand. The deals are being made of their 50-year history. The deals are being made on their social media out. That's what the, the deals are not being made off of today's product. So, yes, bro, you can have an unbelievable business model, but that doesn't mean your current product can suck. So, bro, because they're making so much money because of all the things I just mentioned, they, they just have to put anything on television. And that's exactly what they're doing, bro. They're doing a house show every single week. No stories, no character building, no cliffhanging, nothing. They're just putting content on every single week. So do you think that what's missing from the industry is either, in my opinions, it's a lack of, I'm not going to say content because that might not be the, uh, the right word for it. When you go to the the early 90s and the mid 90s it wasn't just tv there were so many house shows going on and so much happening do you feel like the wrestlers who are the main event guys who are only wrestling 40 50 times a year do you think that's hurting the business or helping the business because if you look back in the early 90s at some of the guys in wcw i mean even the main eventers were still wrestling 100 200 times a year because they were still on the road do you think them not being on the road and not wrestling as much as hurting the business and taking away from the storytelling? I, I don't think so at all, bro. I swear to God, I think the, I think, I think the uh, word you're looking for is, and this is what I think the problem is, bro, you got to understand something with the, um, the animal called the professional wrestler. Bro, these guys and gals are blue-collar workers. They're going to go out there and give it their all, whether it's 100 people or 100,000 people. That's the one thing I learned about the wrestler. And that's why I do respect them so much because of the worth ethic. What happened, bro, I believe is with, with Nick Khan and Saudi Arabia and Fox and the USA Network and Peacock, this money came rolling in at such a fast and furious pace. Bro, I don't think they care 
creatively. That that's what's what's missing. They don't care. Bro, when I tell you me and Ed Ferrara used to agonize, agonize over every show. Is this the possible is this the absolute best it could be? Did we miss every anything? Is everybody covered? Did we dot off? We agonized off of the show. You look at that show today, and like literally, I'm watching this show and I'm like, you you guys literally put this together in an hour at at, at two o'clock. I mean, that's what the show looks like. I think because of the, the money is rolling in at such a pace. I don't think they care. And, you know, here's the funny thing, Will. I would always say to that, on one hand, I understand that. But on the other hand, here's the, here's the problem I, I have. What about pride, bro? Wh- wh- where's your pr- How does Vince McMahon look in the mirror every Monday night and, and say he convinces himself that was a good show? Where is your pride, bro? Because that show is representation of Vince McMahon. It has Vince. So I don't care how much money you're making, bro. What happened to your pride? So I'm going to step back from modern wrestling just a little bit. We just recently passed the six-year anniversary of the passing of a legend with China. Can you speak on your relationship with her for a little bit? Oh, we had a great relationship, bro. I mean, I I absolutely 100% love the woman. Um, we we uh, remain friends, you know, till the day that she died. Um, just a tragic, tragic story. And bro, I, I will, I will never forgive the WWE for this. This is the one thing I will never forgive them for. Bro, days prior to her passing, she contacted the WWE offices. Okay, nobody would take her call. And bro, I'm I'm telling you, I will still say to this day, if somebody took her call and she was acknowledged, and at least somebody had a, the courtesy of having a conversation with her, things may not have turned out the way they did. But the fact of everything she brought to that company, and then all of a sudden you're dead to them to the point of not returning a call. We'll never know, bro, but that could have been the last thing that put her over the edge. And that's why I'm like, bro, you can't return a phone call. Like, give me, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying give her a job. I'm not, I'm not saying put her in the Hall of Fame. I'm saying return a phone call. Be a human freaking being. And, and I'll never forgive them for that, bro, because I honestly feel if she would have got a voice on the other side of that phone and there would have been a conversation that could have been a hope spot, she could have felt good about it, but being totally ignored, I'll never forgive them for that, bro. So looking at what the state of women's wrestling was like when you were in the business as a creative and you look at women's wrestling in 2022, what do you see the biggest differences in as how the women are being booked then versus now? Bro, the the whole women's revolution, let's, let's just please be honest here, bro. It was a, it, it, it was, it was the positioning of Stephanie McMahon. It was all about Stephanie McMahon and putting her in a, in a PR position of power. That's what it was all about. 
I am glad, bro, all these women are. I was always a huge advocate for women's wrestling. Bro, people forget one of my first friends when I started working for the WWE in 1994 around then was Medusa. Bro, people forget there wasn't even a woman's title. And, and then when there was a woman's title, it was Medusa, and they would bring in an opponent for her, Bull Nakano. That is it. So I was always, always an advocate for women's wrestling because, bro, from day one, they were always treated as second-rate citizens. The boys didn't like the idea of any female taking, take, taking a spot. It was a very, very sexist company. And I was always fighting for women, women and always pushing for women. But I just don't think the women's evolution was sincere. It, it was all about Stephanie McMahon and the empowerment and all that jazz. I mean, bro, we saw they, they had one, one pay-per-view. Okay, then, then what? Well, what happened after that? But, you know, like I said, man, I'm glad they're on TV. I don't have an issue with that. Uh, once uh, whatsoever, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and say, I don't like to watch women wrestle on TV. I don't, I, I, sometimes I have a problem, bro, when they try to wrestle like the men, because they're not built like the men, uh, uh, the, their anatomy and physiology is different. And, and that's the thing, man, I just, I don't want to see them get hurt. I, I mean, I do not want to see them get hurt. So, when they when they try to do what the men do, sometimes that that upsets me because I just don't think they're built to do the same stuff. Okay, so let's move away from the WWE and just kind of uh, uh, move the the conversation. So when you were with Impact in 2007, there was the infamous electric steel cage match. Yeah. Uh, there's been some debate between Dutch and Dixie as to who is exactly there, responsible. There's no debate. There's no debate whatsoever, bro. Bro, I. I left the company for a certain amount of time. The only reason I came back to the company was because Jeff Jarrett's wife had cancer and I wanted to help Jeff. Bro, the very first meeting, a creative meeting, the very first creative meeting I went back to, okay, was at Jeff Jarrett's house, me, Jeff Dutch, and Matt Conway. The very first meeting I went back to, they had the electrified cage booked. And they were talking about this electrified cage, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying, because it was TNA, because they didn't have the finances, because they didn't have the resources to pull it off like a WWE, bro, this is going to be absolutely atrocious but bro you gotta understand this is like the week right before the pay-per-view this was my first meeting back so i was not gonna sit there and shit on their electrified cage idea so like when i was hearing this for the first time i'm pretty sure bro you know dutch they must have done it in puerto rico like that, that's probably where Dutch got the idea I'm thinking, but no, bro, my, my first creative back, uh, they already had that booked, bro. Listen, I've come, I don't know what the problem is with people. I've come up with stinkers 
I, I've I've said when I've come up with stinkers, the dog, the, the kennel match from hell, the uh, stay away to heaven match. Those were my ideas. They sucked. I got no idea. <laughs> if, if this was my idea, I would say, yes, bro, this was a third idea of mine that absolutely sucked. This this was already booked, bro. When I returned to the company, there, there is no there is no debate. There is no nothing. Well, I don't even know. Like I said, bro, I'm assuming that the electrified cage came from Puerto Rico because I wouldn't push. I, I wouldn't pitch that, bro, because like I don't even know what that is. I, I, I don't know what it would look like. I don't know what it would how it would work. So like that, that pitching that would have been something totally out of my wheelhouse. Uh, Rick Flair's recently announced that he's going to be having his last final match. What are your opinions on Rick Flair having a wrestling match this late? Well, you know, bro, again, my, my opinion is he, bro, here's the thing with me. Uh, and this is why I am not a fan of AEW, bro. I don't tune into wrestling to watch people get hurt. And every time I watch AEW, I feel like somebody's either going to be paralyzed or die or a, 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 a career-ending injury. I, 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 so for me, you know, a 73-year-old man, to me, absolutely, I would worry about Ric Flair's health and well-being, number one. But at the end of the day, bro, it's Flair's life. It's Flair's career. Uh, Flair is a grown man. If if Ric Flair wants to go out and do this, all the power to him, man. Absolutely, one thousand percent. But I'd be lying if, if I didn't say I w I'm I'm not concerned about his well being. God 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 forbid the man gets hurt. But but I'm sure, bro, they'll do it in a way where it will be very safe. Just out of curiosity, have you seen the lineup for the match yet? No. It's FTR and Ric Flair. Versus the Midnight Express and Ricky the Dragon. Okay. Well, then, then they, they, in that type of a match, they'll definitely be able to protect him. I think so, too. Um, so speaking on some of the guys from the past, everyone knows what happened at Bash in 2000. Uh, what's the relationship like between Russo and Hogan in 2022? Bro, the last time I saw Hogan, or spoke to Hogan for that matter, was when we worked at TNA. And the, the last time... Uh, I left it. I mean, we were fine. I mean, we, 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 we didn't have any issues whatsoever, bro. I don't have, I, I'm telling you, bro. I don't have a single bad word to say about Hulk Hogan. I really don't. And I've said this a million times. If it wasn't for Eric, I think my relationship with Hulk may have been much, much, much different. But the fact that Eric didn't like me, and Eric was buddies with Hulk. Well, then Hulk wasn't gonna like me. It's 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 very easy math. I don't have a bad thing to say about the guy. You know, I was in the wrestling business because of Hulk Hogan. I always give the guy his due, and I always give him his credit. So uh, I mean, I have zero zero heat whatsoever with Hulk Hogan. I, I mean, I can't speak for him. I'm just talking about myself. Okay. Um, so as we get ready to wrap up, I got, I always close all of my interviews with five rapid fire questions. I've got yours queued up and ready to go. You ready? Let's do it. What was your favorite match that you've ever booked? 
Oh man. See, I'm 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 not I'm not really a match guy. Or maybe your storyline. What was your favorite storyline? My story favorite storyline without a shadow of a doubt was Rock joining the corporation. Because we we told that story over months and we dropped hit hints and it was beautifully crafted and nobody saw it coming. That 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 I, I don't I don't think, bro, in, in today's environment. I just don't believe you'll ever see a story like that again. Okay. Do you have a favorite venue that you were a part of a show in? I, I would have to say, bro, f- for me, it would have had to be the Nassau Coliseum, obviously, because, I mean, I was a Long Island guy. I saw dozens of uh, ABA New York net games at the Nassau Coliseum, dozens of concerts, you know, that that was my home building. So that was a pretty big deal for me when we went to the Coliseum. Uh, do you have a favorite superstar from your childhood, a favorite wrestler that you remember growing up and loving? Oh, man, bro. Yeah, I did. Um, God, it's it, 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 it's just it, it's so hard, bro. But if I if I really had to narrow it down, I couldn't give you just one. But I real I I loved Albano and the Valiant Brothers. Absolutely loved them. I loved Chief J Strongbow, and I loved uh, Ernie the Cat Lad. Um, I, I I would say they were they were probably my favorites. Fourth question: If you could get a mulligan in your career and take one story back, what's the one story you'd go? Let's it, not do that. Well, it, it it wouldn't really be a story, bro. And listen, man, I I. Bro, you know what's so funny? Will, I'll be honest with you. On my podcast right now, you know, Russo'sBrand.com, I am breaking down the Attitude Era hour by hour. And I am right in the middle of, like, these Monday night wars. And, bro, there were, you know, watching from the WWE perspective, and this is, like, right around the... um the uh, uh, Survivor Series with Brett and Sean. Bro, there are so many shots being fired at WCW nonstop on every show. So I have to remind myself that was the environment back then. Like there were, con- like no, no punches were pulled, bro. Uh, it, was, it was really a war. So I have to remind myself that atmosphere and that environment that really led to the Oklahoma character because, bro, again, bro, people believe whatever the hell they want to believe about me, and I really don't give a shit what they think anymore. But the reality of it is, bro, I, I did not have heat with JR. There, there was never any heat with me and JR uh, when we were working together at WWE. And, bro, where a lot of that came from was during our creative meetings, Ed would do a JR impression and it would pop Vince like every time. So, like, I, I swear to God, bro, there there was a part of us where it was really an innocent jab at JR because, you know, like I said, man, it's like 
okay, Vince, you used to laugh at this. Now we're on the other side and we're kind of putting it in, in, in your face. But bro, we we never we never looked at all right, bro, how is this gonna affect JR? Because that that's what we're we never even looked at that, bro. Because the last thing we wanted to do was hurt that guy, um, you know, and, and w- which we did. Which which I look back at now, and I'm I I swear I'm like, what the f was wrong with you, bro? I gotta say one thing about Jr. And listen, I I've since apologized to him a million times. We had conver- we've had conversations. I tried my best to bring him into TNA. I, I put him over weekly to this day. Bro, one thing I got to say about JR, and this is why I have all the respect in the world for him. Bro, I worked in a sea of sharks. I worked in a world of liars and con men and carnies that would do whatever they had to do to get ahead. They would lie. They would beg. They would steal. They didn't. They had no moral compass, bro. None. Jr. was the one guy that was always 100% honest with me to my face, nothing behind my back, no, no political posturing, none of that, none of that. And bro, that, that, that almost seems impossible at the level he was at none of it. That's why I love the guy to this day. And like I said, bro, when we did that, we were in the middle of a war we were kind of showing, okay, Vince, remember you used to laugh at this. Now we're on the other side. Never thinking like an idiot. Wait a minute. How, how's JR going to feel about this? I, I, I regret that, bro, with all my heart and soul. Everything else, bro, I did. Listen, good ideas, bad ideas, bro, they're all subjective. So some people love some stuff I did. Some people hated it, whatever. This was personal. Like this, this wasn't a bad angle or a bad idea. This was really, really personal, and I, I absolutely hate that I did that, bro. Okay, uh, Vince, I got one more question for you, and this one is just for me as a fan. Was Montreal a work? Absolutely not, bro. Absolutely not. I, I, bro, I get so sick of it, and I'll tell you why, bro. The creative meeting uh, the week prior, it was probably like, bro, a Wednesday, probably, I'm going to guess a Wednesday before the Sunday, okay? Bro, the creative team was me, Vincent Cornette. That's it, the three of us. So we were meeting at, we met at Vince's house that day, okay? Vince brought me separately into another room. And he said to me, Vince, I'm I'm about to call Brett. I need a witness on that phone. So I want you to listen into the conversation. So, bro, I was on that. Brett did not know I was on that conversation. So, bro, me with my own two ears, I heard Vince pitch every scenario possible to Brett every you name it bro Vince pitched it and Brett wasn't going for any of it bro we even had 
uh, Neidhart. Neidhart was pitching ideas. His own family was <laughs> pitching ideas. Bro, every nope, 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 no. I heard it with my own ears. So then, bro, what it really came down to was this. P people forget this. And, bro, I even told Brett when all this was said and done, and I, I, I said this to Brett man-to-man, -man, face to face. I said, bro, <laughs> you'll, you'll never understand me saying this. You'll never agree with me. But I said, Brett, I said, I stand by Vince's decision 1,000%. I said, because the decision Vince made, he made that decision to protect his company and everybody in it. It was never anything personal to Brett. People forget, bro, it was months, months prior when Medusa dropped the championship in the garbage. Vince was afraid that Eric was going to talk Brett into doing something very similar. And Vince was not going to allow that to happen a second time. That's why he had to get the belt off of Brett. And like I said, bro, I was witness to Vince pitching him a dozen different ways to do this. And when, when Brett turned down every one, that's, that's when Vince had to do something that he really, really did not want to do. I've always wanted to know the answer to that. So uh, this is the opportunity in the show, sir. Well, I always have my guest uh, plug anything that you have going on and tell the listeners what you have going on right now in 2022 for Vince Russo. Yeah, guys, I've been podcasting now for eight years. And, and I, I swear to God, bro, I was reading a story last week by one of these dirt sheet sheets about how, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm calling the WWE daily, begging them for a job. And bro, if, if you knew me and if you knew my life, that is so freaking ridiculous. I, I, I can't even address it. First of all, bro, when I was working at the WWE, bro, I was in my early 30s. Bro, I'm 61 years old. The, the, the idea of that travel and, and, be, and giving my life to Vince McMahon at this age in my life and dealing with the politics and the bullshit as a 61-year-old man is so literally, bro, it's, it's the least thing I'd ever want to do. I love what I'm doing now, bro. I've been podcasting for eight years. I, 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 wh where you see me right now, bro, is I'm in my office. I work my own hours. There's no politics. There's no bullshit. Thank God, knock on wood. I've been able to make a living off of this for the last eight years. I just started a brand new platform, bro, called channelattitude.com. And I started my own platform, bro, because, you know, Vince, why aren't you free like these other podcasts? Real simple, bro, because I'm not going to be censored. Okay, I'm not going to be afraid to say what I want to say because we got advertisers, sponsors, or we're on, you know, Apple Tunes or this one. I'm not going to get checkmarked by YouTube or or be put in time out. Like, 
No, bro. The, the whole idea of podcasting, in my opinion, is you have the freedom to say what you want to say. I'm not going to dance around anything, bro, because I'm going to be afraid of being censored. So I invested a lot of money. It, it, it's not free in my own paid wall. So if you go to channelattitude.com, you will be able to see all our shows. We promote the freedom of speech absolutely 1,000%. And we ask if you do too, a good way to show that is to support us. So channelattitude.com, bro. I think you'll find something there that you like. Well, Vince, I very, very, very much appreciate you coming on and chatting about some wrestling with me today. I've had an absolute blast. And uh, honestly, like I've said, as a, a Mark and a fan of the business, man, it was an honor just to spend some time chatting with you. I appreciate that, Will. And uh, I appreciate the kind words. and I appreciate the interview, man. Excellent. Thank you very much for stopping by and chatting about some wrestling with me. Okay, man. Take care. Fox Spots and Shared Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Shared Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Shared Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage representing Takeover. Takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Shared Shots. Check. Savage!